Good morning, Waters Church. Listen, uh, I've told everybody and their dog, not just in the States, but my friends around the world, what a great and friendly church you are. So please don't embarrass me, people. Even if you don't really like me, keep up the illusion it's good for me. Um, no, it's a, it's a really great, uh, great pleasure to be here, not, not just a privilege. And I thank Pastor Tim and Cheryl for the opportunity. Pastor Tim's over at Norwood. Uh, there was a poll, apparently, and you guys wanted the best-looking preacher. So, um, no, I'm just half kidding. Anyway, so come, let's, uh, I'm going to ask you, please, if you won't just um, uh, take the hand of the person behind you and let's pray together. Let's create a bit of confusion and force you to turn around in your seat so you can look at the, the, the back of the head of the person behind you instead of them just looking at you. And uh, all right, folks, I didn't ask you to make so much noise, just to turn around. But seriously, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your presence with us. Uh, thank you for such beautiful worship. Thank you for revealing yourself today by your Spirit amongst us. Thank you that you are literally walking down these aisles, and Lord, you are sitting next to us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will be the teacher, and that, Lord, as words come out of my mouth that speak about your truth, I pray that you would make that truth real to me and to us. And really, Lord, that if we get nothing else right today, it's that we will leave this place knowing you better and better understanding how you've made us, that you may be glorified through our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So... Thank you. Um, I want to get right into the message because this is more of a teach than a preach, and I'm going to share a lot of information with you this morning, but I have prayed and fasted this week that it will not just be information, but that it will truly be revelation. Um, most of what I'm teaching you today has taken me over 20 years to really come to understand, and I was just saying to someone during the break, I wish... Somebody had told me 30 years ago what I'm telling you today because it would have made life so much simpler and actually so much more powerful. Uh, I think I would have been even much more fruitful for God and for His kingdom. And I've titled my message Three Through One because I want us to gain a better understanding today of this profound truth that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, want to work through you. They want to express themselves through you and through me. It's not just that God gives us gifts and abilities. It's that He wants to show Himself, His nature, His power, His purposes, His abilities through you and me. And that does two things to us, friends. Number one, it causes us to fall on our face in humility before God because it is amazing. Really, if God didn't give us the ability to understand what I'm saying today, our minds, our sinful, finite minds, could not grasp this idea, this truth, this reality that God wants to show himself through you and me. And we're going to go to the Garden of Eden jump right through to the life of Jesus and look at Adam and Eve, look at Christ as an introduction 
to what I want to share with you this morning. So there are three passages, uh, specific passages in the New Testament, which we're going to look at. Um, One is in Ephesians chapter 4, which we use this term. Your Bible might even say this is a heading. Uh, You know, in the original scriptures, by the way, in the original texts, there are no headings and there are no verses. It's all just one, uh, really just one communication, as it were. But your heading might say something like this, the gifts of the ascended Christ. And I was taught, and I taught for years and years and years, I used this language until four or five years ago, I believe God gave me, let's say a deeper or more correct understanding of what this is. It's not just that God gives gifts to us that we express. It is Him that we express. So if you will uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand and absorb what I'm saying today, this literally will change your life. It will take you to a much deeper place. Then we, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, we talk about the charismatic gifts or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, I want to show us this morning, it's not that they are gifts, it's that they are expressions of the, the person of the Holy Spirit through us. And what an incredible honor and privilege that is. And then the third one in Romans chapter 12, there are a few verses that speak about what we call the motivational gifts. Maybe you've heard the term the creational gifts. And again, it is the expression of the Father in my life and in your life. Now, you know, we talked um, a little while ago. I don't know if it was here or Norwood, but I was, I was making the point that, listen, friends, everything in the kingdom of God only ever works in the context of relationship. Do you remember that story in the Bible when the scribes and Pharisees approach Jesus and one of them asks him a trick question? So you've got these teachers of the law who have hundreds of laws that they have put the Jewish people in bondage to. If you want to be holy, you really want to be Uh, serving God, you have to do these 313 things, right? When originally, actually, Exodus 20, there are only 10 commandments. Anyway, and Jesus comes along, and when he introduces the kingdom of God, his message is, everything is about God and people. I have come back to bring you back to the Father. So the the teachers, the knowledgeable people, have developed a religion Jesus comes along and says, forget the religion, it's all about relationship. By the way, that's why I'm here, me in person. If it was religion, my father would have just given you more laws. It's relationship. God sent his son, not a book. Okay, the book came after the son. So, this is what I'm saying to you. Everything in the kingdom operates in the context of relationship, and everything in the kingdom of God is only about two things, God and people. So the scribes, one of the teachers of the law, says to Jesus, and it's a trick. He's trying to trick him. Tell me, teacher, sarcastically, tell me, rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, without hesitating, says, oh, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he silences them. In fact, the guy says, 
that is a very wise answer. In fact, you are correct. And Jesus goes on to basically say, I know. I wrote it. Um, not mocking him, you know, affirming to the guy. I believe that man's life was changed, by the way. I believe that in that moment, he moved out of religion into relationship. And so Jesus is saying, because remember, when I, a few weeks ago when we were looking at the kingdom of God, when Jesus comes, he's baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. As he comes up out of the water, it says that the heavens are opened. It's an intentional act of God. It wasn't just automatic. God opens, literally opens the heaven. I believe that it literally was like a curtain was pulled back. I would have loved to see what was coming out of the other side. And it says that out of the heavens, the Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove and rests upon Jesus. Jesus as a man on earth was not operating in his deity. It says in the scriptures that Jesus had laid aside his deity and so he humbled himself before his father. He's just an ordinary man. Like, you're a man, I'm a woman. He's just a regular guy, so to speak, living in complete obedience, sinless. So even he as a man required the Holy Spirit to enable him to now do the works of God. And it says that at the same time when the heavens open, the Spirit comes down, and the Father, everybody standing there literally hears a voice. Wouldn't you love to hear the actual voice of God? I wonder what it sounded like, you know? It probably wasn't like a Transformers Hollywood, this is my beloved son, you know? <laughs> it probably was a more, I don't know, whatever. It, it must be gorgeous. I, I tell you, whoever heard it never forgot it and never heard a sound like that ever. Because it would be literally a perfect sound. Can, uh, stunning, right? So God the Father says to the people who are witnessing this, this is my beloved son, and according to Hebrew teaching, the Jews who were standing there, they're all Jews, would have known that that language means, when you look at the law and the prophets, that this is my only son, so he's like me. This is my beloved son whom I love. Listen to him and do what he tells you. So we see as Jesus begins his work, his kingdom work on earth, that the Trinity is present. Now, friends, the Trinity are always completely united in everything they do. The Bible tells us very explicitly and intentionally on purpose that all things are from, to, for, and through Jesus. It says that he holds all of creation in his hands. Nothing happens except it's through him in God's kingdom. So can you imagine, friends, if the Trinity was disunited for a trillionth of a second, the universe would implode. Because the Bible says that all things hold together in and through him. So I just want us to understand that we are talking now about the Father, Son, and Spirit through Jesus entering into the human experience for the second time. Because there was a first time in the Garden of Eden. Um, Genesis is a stunning book. If we only had Genesis, one of the Gospels in Revelation, it would be enough. Um, everything that happens in the New Testament, the roots can be found in Genesis. 
it, it's just, it is literally the initial revelation of the understanding of God to us. In the Garden of Eden, Eden itself being a little piece of heaven on earth. But in the garden, all the stunning beauty that God created, which by the way, we can never imagine. Our world is too polluted, it's too corrupted, there's been too much junk. Um, we also, because we are sinners saved by grace, I don't believe that physically even, we see with the kind of eyes that Adam and, and Eve used to. I think our sin affects everything about us. So it would have literally been heaven on earth. And the Bible says this, listen to this language. Let us, this is God speaking, let us make man, capital M, meaning that mankind, the word literally means mankind, men and women, in our plural image, in our image, Father, Son, and Spirits, and let them, plural, go forth and multiply. We will give them authority to subdue or to rule over, to have dominion over all the birds of the air, the fish of the air. Let them go forth and multiply and do what? And take our image across the face of the earth. The intention of God, remember friends, everything that God created which was not human is a reflection, it's, it's, a, uh, it's an expression of him. You know the heavens, the mountains, it's his, his creative excellence and stunning beauty, right? It's a touch of the divine. Only the man and woman are an actual reflection of him. When it says in the Bible that we are created in his image, the word image in Hebrew means shadow, right? So we, remember, because the Bible says God is spirit. So we are the shadow of God. And if you go and stand outside and the sun is shining, which it hasn't been doing a lot of lately, but it is today apparently, and the sun is shining and we cast a shadow, you know, you can get a sense or an idea of the shape of the person or the building, whatever, from the shadow. That's what it means, we are made in God's image in the sense that we give a hint as to who he is and what he looks like. So God the Father, Son, and Spirit's goal with Adam and Eve before they sinned was to take him, his nature, his character, his abilities, and through creating other human beings, which Psalm 139 tells us very clearly and explicitly that God makes you in your mother's womb. By the way, in the Gospel of John, in the first chapter, it says from verse 8 to 11, it was not your father and mother's plan that you should come into the world, but even before they were created, God had chosen to bring you into the world. Friends, let your value come not from who your parents or your family are, or how wealthy you are, or what your name is, or where you live. Let your self-image only be shaped from the knowledge that God chose to make you who you are, and he formed you in your mother's womb even before it created your parents. His intention was there. Let that free you. Stop apologizing for who you are. Be who God made you to be. If you're a crazy serial killer, don't kill people and blame the Holy Spirit and say, God made me like this. No, you're a sinner. You really need help. Because <laughs> there are people who do really sick stuff and say, well, God spoke to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let your identity be shaped by the truth that God made you. Now, it gets better. The Lord didn't make you 
to have pity on you or because he needs to be represented across the face of the earth. It is still a mystery to me, frankly, why God would go to all the trouble of creating Adam and Eve in a perfect setting and then having them represent him across the face of this gorgeous planet. I hope one day in heaven, it's one of the questions I want to ask Jesus. I mean, why, Lord, why go to all that trouble? And you knew that they were going to turn their back on you. You knew that you were going to have to send Jesus to begin again what you originally had done 4,000 years before. Because remember, when Jesus begins his ministry, what are the first words out of his mouth? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. In other words, I'm bringing heaven back to earth. But now look at the story. A bunch of people believe in him. He gets these disciples. They become apostles. He gets taken up to heaven after his resurrection. He's seated at his father's right hand. He is the head. We are the body. We are like him. We have to continue his work on earth. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says he never changes. And so can you imagine now that as Jesus had shown us what the kingdom is and how it works, and he expressed it in his own life, we now have that job as his people on earth. Do you know what it is? Whereas Adam and Eve were given the responsibility to be fruitful and multiply physically across the face of the earth, we have now been given the responsibility and the authority by Jesus. All authority in earth and heaven has been given to him. He has given us the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We have the same job now to take the image of God and made him, make him and his glory known across the face of the earth. Well, how would God do that? Do you know how he does that? Not just by choosing us and giving us gifts, but by dwelling in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a supernatural ministry, friends. I wish, if I could explain it to you in, in simple English, I'd be rich and famous and I wouldn't have to be working. I'd just make the DVD and sell it. It is a mystery. It is. It is, spect it is beyond our full grasp but we can grasp enough that, listen to what I'm going to say now, God only builds his kingdom with himself because it's his kingdom. His kingdom is supernatural. It's not natural. Everything about God and his kingdom are only supernatural. But he has chosen to reveal and express his supernatural self through natural creations called men and women. Isn't that stunning? Somebody should be swinging from the chandeliers by now. I don't know what I'm getting wrong. Isn't that incredible? So friends, when we are saved, it's not only that we are happy and joyful as we should be because we've been delivered from sin and its power and our eternal destiny settled by God in heaven. We will be forever with Jesus. Our salvation is not an escape elevator from the judgment of God and from hell. Our salvation is entrance into an eternal partnership and relationship with the Trinity who now are able to express themselves through you and through me. That's why the Bible says that when Jesus comes back a second time, he is going to bring a new heaven, interesting language, a new heaven and a new earth, and we who know him will rule and reign with him for eternity. 
if the goal of getting us saved was just to keep us from going to hell, why do we need the rule and reign peace? Couldn't we just sit in heaven and play a harp for eternity? Right? Seriously, float from cloud to cloud, have a Coke, whatever it is. I don't know, whatever. The heavenly version. No, 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 no. God, the Father, Son, and Spirit are still going to perfectly now because we are in the perfect place. The Bible says when we see him, we will be like him. It doesn't mean we will be him. There's only one Jesus. God is not schizophrenic or multiple personality. Very serious. I've heard teachings on this. We will be exactly like Jesus. Nonsense. There's only one begotten, beloved son. But we will be like him in that we will have the same desires, the same intentions. We will work in complete partnership with him. And we will rule and reign in the new earth and the new heaven with him. Do you know where we practice is during our time on earth. And in the same way that the Trinity expressed themselves through us here, they shall do the same in heaven. So, let's move on. So, just in an illustration, this is how it works. All of the expressions of God are built, are only built on a foundation of relationship, right? You cannot study for or earn the job of being an evangelist. Outside of relationship with God. Jesus, I'm going to show you how God chooses these things. But the important thing is that he manifests himself through us, and it's always to benefit others. Now listen, I've been a pastor for over 20 years. I've been a church leader for over 20 years. I'm that guy, like almost every other church leader on earth, who gets passionately frustrated when bunches of folk in church don't end up serving or doing something for Jesus, right? And I've come to the conclusion that it's not the people's fault, it's our fault. Because if we are saying to people, just give your life to Jesus, and although we're not saying everything will okay, but at least your eternal destiny and security is settled. And then we create structures like today It's it's not sinful, it's not bad, it's not wrong, but we create systems where essentially we say, you come and sit and spectate if you want, and we'll speak and, and teach. Thank God that you have small groups. I don't know how churches don't have small groups, or don't have missions teams, or don't have, you know, intentional vehicles for the expression of God. Anyway, and here's my point. This kind of a message forces all of us to either take ownership or to reject ownership of the fact that actually in the kingdom, every single one of us has a responsibility to allow God to, God to show himself through us. I love, listen, I've told Pastor Tim, I love your graphics, I love the culture, I really do. I've said to my wife, if we move back to Boston, flipping heck, I want to come here. Because it is, there's so much life, Every, it's just lovely, it really is. But you know what, friends, this is the tip of the iceberg. Because until ch- we, all of us, me, starting with me, and, and I do this now when I travel around, until we can help ourselves understand that the kingdom has never been about a smaller group 
instructing the larger group. It's only ever been about every member of the body has a God-given responsibility for which they are accountable to God, not to the leadership of this church only. We get rewarded in heaven, friends. Please listen to me. Not because we didn't watch certain TV shows. Not because we were so holy and we never had a glass of wine. Whatever it is, these cultural things, many of them. We get rewarded in heaven for what? For the fact that we did the works that God had prepared before and for us to do. I can't say to God, I'm sorry that I didn't fulfill all of your purposes for my life, but it's my pastor's fault. He never taught me. Or you know what? I didn't like the way they did the music, so I just decided I'm not going to get involved. Because God's going to say, wait a minute, I went to a lot of trouble to want to express myself through your life. You heard that weird Lorenzo guy talk about it, and from that Sunday, you had no more excuses. And by the way, Tim had been telling you this for quite a while, you know. This is a very liberating and a very responsible message. So, let's begin with the expression of the Son. In Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 13, it talks about the fact that uh, when Jesus ascended up to heaven, it says that he gave gifts to men, right? What it means, friends, is that he gave himself to certain men and women. What? Are you saying there can be women apostles and prophets? Of course. The Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. In the Garden of Eden, to them gave he the authority and the commandment. It's only after sin entered in that we ended up with this crazy misunderstanding that somehow the woman is a lesser being or person. God fully manifests himself, friends, through the man and the woman. Why is it that there are things in the kingdom that only women seem to get? Because that's the way God has chosen to reveal himself. Men are not more or less valuable or more or less important. We are equally both together the full expression of the Trinity. By the way, that's why marriage is sacred, because it is a reflection of the Trinity. That's why when a child is raised by two men or two women, that kid is only getting one half of the picture. And that's why it's sinful, because it is a deformity compared to how God has revealed how he works through his own creation. Stunning, isn't it? All right, some of you are thinking, I wish Tim was here. Anyway, <laughs> these gifts, he's not, so you have to suffer with me a few more minutes. These gifts represent not just Jesus blessing somebody with the ability to be an evangelist, it is representative of Jesus the evangelist choosing somebody for reasons only he knows through whom to express himself. The example I was using yesterday and this morning um, is actually one of my favorite things. I've used this all over the world. You know, I used to work at Norwood many years ago. I've learned many things from Pastor Geyser. He is the finest example that I personally know of an evangelist. 
Christ the evangelist lives in Tommy Geyser. So one Sunday, he'd asked me to preach the gospel specifically, and I taught the gospel, right? And because I'm not an evangelist. So I did it very logically. I laid my scriptures out. I had a couple of stories, one tearjerker, one funny. I did all the stuff the book says. Make the altar call, nobody responds. It was actually really awkward. So I looked down at the, at the front, and Pastor Guys is sitting. He said, like, ask them again, you know. Again, heads are bowed, the whole deal. Nobody responds. Tommy comes up, grabs the microphone, and says, you've heard the word of God this morning. You know that God is in this place. You know that you should give your life to Jesus. Now stand up, and doosh, six people stand up. <laughs> and I'll never forget, because there were three, and then three behind them. All six had never been in the church before. Right? These were not rededications. Two of the women are bawling their eyes out. And, you know, I was confused. I was happy. I was like, what the heck just happened? I explained it so, so well. I mean, you could have written a book from my sermon notes. What's going on? Tuesday, that next week, we're sitting in the office. We're talking about the meeting. And as I'm looking at Tommy, I hear God say to me, because I'm wondering, like, Lord, what happened here? You know, in a good way, I want to understand. And as I'm looking at Tommy, it was like a movie. And God the Father says to me, I get this revelation. I have chosen, Jesus, sorry, Jesus, has, my son has chosen to express himself, his evangelistic ability, nature, character, through this man because he loves me with all his heart. He has chosen to offer his life to be a vehicle through whom I can reach other people. Whenever he gets up to speak, my son will speak through him. And the gift is from me. The manifestation is from It is a divine thing. You can do nothing about it. I remember because I was kind of, you know, sometimes in the movie when somebody's thinking something and you hear the narrator speaking and then the voices in the background get softer and then suddenly they come back into the movie like somebody's tapping him. It was one of those deals. Tommy had asked me a question, and I wasn't answering him. And he was like, so what do you think, Lorenzo? And I was like, oh, what was that? You know? And I told him what had just happened. And I suddenly understood that the expression is not only determined by God, you cannot influence it. Jesus chooses. He, it says he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors. Now, we can choose to say to Jesus, no, I do not want to offer my life to be a, an apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher. No. Thank you that you want to show yourself through me. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep doing computer work because there's more money in it. And you know what we do? God loves us perfectly. So like parents with kids, when the kids say no, you don't stop loving your parents. But you know what happens? We have robbed ourselves now for the rest of our lives of the privilege of Jesus showing himself through us. And think of the potentially hundreds of thousands of people or thousands of people who will never respond to the gospel because we said no to Jesus. But if we say, yes, I'm, I'm happy to be a vehicle for you, Lord Jesus the evangelist. We see Christ in his ministry on earth fully expressing apostleship. He's an evangelist. He's bringing the good news of the kingdom. 
You know, he is a pastor. He's loving people back to the Father. He's a teacher. He's teaching. I mean, he's in the temple as a teenage boy, teaching much older, much older, supposedly wiser, more experienced teachers of the law. They're amazed at what this guy knows. Well, it's God the Father, the teacher, expressing himself through, through Jesus as a little boy. You see what I'm saying? And you know, it makes sense to me now that I've been saved over 30 years. It makes sense to me that, of course, if God goes to all the trouble when he saves me of putting his spirit into me, uh, it tells us in one of the epistles that the fullness of the deity dwelt within Jesus and that God lives in us. As he was light, we are light. God literally lives in us. Listen, the older I get and the more I understand human nature, particularly my own, the more amazed I am at how this works because I would not have chosen me. And I mean that sincerely. And I wouldn't have chosen you. No offense. I know your mother thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread and Superman. I would not have chosen you. Because we are too fickle. But by God's grace, this is what I find happens. The Lord loves me so much and so wants to have communion with me that he's willing to show himself through me. And it's not because I'm great. It's just because I'm available. It's because he is supernatural. All right, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. By the way, on the Wednesday evenings at Norwood for this month, I'm taking each of these portions and going much, much deeper so you can listen to those messages and uh, the PDF of this message will be available afterwards from the info desk. So it tells us about word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, etc. There are these nine gifts or expressions which are mentioned. Now, in this chapter, in the scriptures, the illustration that is given to us you know, it says that all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit is teaching us these things through, through the authors of, of, the, of the books of the Bible. So what the Spirit teaches us, interesting, he uses the analogy of the human body to communicate to us that in the same way he says that a human body has a hand, a foot, an eye, and etc., and in the same way, that an eye cannot, not should not, cannot say to a foot, I don't need you, or I'm better than you. He says in the same way, because the Holy Spirit, it's the one and the same Spirit who works all of these things, these expressions, distributing to each one, each one, all of you here this morning who are Christians, each one individually as he wills. In other words, in every local church on earth, the Holy Spirit determines who the hand and the foot, who has the expression of the word of wisdom, of knowledge, of faith. He puts it all together to create what? A healthy body. When you're in a church of 100 people and 50% of them are teachers, you have a deformed body. It would be like having two left arms and they reach all the way down to your feet. You might be able to be good at basketball on one side of the court, but you're useless at everything else. I just made that up. It's really funny if you think about it. <laughs> so, so listen to what I'm saying to you, because it's really simple, but it's totally profound and life-changing. Everything that God needs to do through Waters North Attleboro, He has already put into each of you who are sitting here today. All of these expressions of the Holy Spirit are possible 
if you're available and if you understand that he wants to show himself through you. This chapter says, so when you come together, have we come together? Yes. When you come together, each one has, and he then goes on to, to you know, explain how he wants to manifest himself. Now, I was taught for many, many, many years, and I taught for many years incorrectly that you can get from God the gift of healing or the gift of the word of knowledge, right? And then you would have the gift of healing. I don't believe that at all anymore because if I had the gift of healing, friends, I wouldn't be here this morning. I'd find the local hospital go to the emergency room and pray for everybody who comes in and just heal everybody and their dog. Well, not their dog, but I'd heal everybody. I'd go through the wards. The HMOs would order a hit on me from the mafia because I would take away so much money from them. And tens of thousands of people would be coming to Christ because I'd just be healing everybody if I had the gift of healing. Now, God is divine and perfect. He is sinless. We are saved by grace, covered by Christ's righteousness. He has paid the price for our sins, but we are still sinners. Would you entrust a supernatural divine ability into the hands of a sinner? No, of course not. Doesn't make sense at all. However, would you, because you love that sinner so much and you have saved their soul, be willing to express your divine ability through them because they're available? Absolutely. This explained to me, friends, when I was a very young Christian, I mean, I was saved not even six, nine months, I really didn't understand any of this stuff. I'd come out of a Catholic background, you know, I just really, I didn't, I hadn't read the Bible for most of my life, I didn't know any, but I was fully on fire, deeply in love with Jesus. Uh, baptized in the Spirit, speaking tongues, really on fire. I was really that annoying guy. You know, I, I don't know if I told you, I used to run up to bus stops, you know, and just, be, here comes the bus, and I'd just suddenly say, hey, everybody, I'm a born-again Christian. My name's Lorenzo. You've got to give your life to Jesus now because if you get on this bus and this bus is in action and you die, you're going to go to hell. If you don't want to go to hell, just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I give my heart to you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and I'm the guy who, as a pastor... I would sit these kind of people down and say, listen, you're acting like a lunatic. You need to calm down. <laughs> anyway, I'm not ungrateful for it many years later because it was, it was a good test for me. And here's my point. So here I come. We're in a little church, 40, 50 people. Uh, the pastor says, if the Spirit moves upon you, it was the first time I'd heard any of this kind of stuff. And um, you just come and you pray for people. So this woman comes up to the front. She's got big lumps on her legs, and she was very ill. So I get down, and I, and I just put my hands on her knees, and I start praying for her. And as I'm looking at the lumps, they're disappearing. And she's like, she flips out. Then I pray for the next lady. I mean, I'm a brand-new Christian. I'm not even one year old as a Christian. I just believed that Jesus wants to heal these people. And I'd just been told about you know, the gifts of healing. What I didn't understand is that Christ, the healer, through the Holy Spirit, was working through me. The gift is not for me. It's for the person who needs to be healed. And so just because I was available and I completely believed that it was possible, I prayed for the next lady. She got a neck brace on. 
as I'm praying for her, she does this, takes the next brace off, and she starts doing a jig and stuff. Her husband comes up, he's bawling his eyes out. You know, people are standing around her like, is this, it was weird. Like, today, I'd, it would make a weird YouTube video. It would go viral. And they're kind of touching her neck to make sure. And she's like, it's real, it's real. And she came back the next Sunday. You know, you've always got that really strong, experienced Christian who sort of cautiously celebrates but they're waiting to see if the healing is going to stay until next week. She came in the next week. Hallelujah. Praise God. She brought her family with her. And here's the thing. The next Sunday I came to church, prayed for people, and nobody got healed. Right? And I'm like, whoa. The next Sunday, same thing. Very early on, the Lord was already trying to teach me that He is supernatural and He can heal. And that the expression of himself is not for my benefit or my fame. It's not an ability I have. I'm just a vehicle through whom he works. The gift is for somebody else. But it's not a gift like a little supernatural package. It is Jesus the healer who died on the cross and by whose stripes we are healed. Manifesting himself through my life, he was touching that woman's leg. You know, friends, as I'm talking to you, I'm trying not to cry because I've walked with the Lord by His grace long enough now that all over again, I'm going through this thing in my life now where it's like, Lord, wow, you're an amazing God. I mean, you've already done so much for me. I'm the first in 300 years in my family, I was the first to be saved. Both my kids are serving the Lord. I married a pastor's daughter who probably has regretted it once or twice at least, but <laughs> if, she, if she was really honest. I mean, we were married within a year. If I'd met me and I was her parents, no chance. The grace, no, I'm not joking, the grace of God, people, you know, the grace of, oh my word. Now, as I'm studying and understanding, it's not just that God uses his gifts. No, no, he himself shows himself through me. All right, the last one is Romans chapter 12. This is my favorite one to talk about. Now, the son expressions, Jesus chooses who he's going to show himself through. The spirit expressions, the spirit chooses who, how, and when he will express himself through, right? But the son and spirit can choose whomever they will, whenever they will. Typically, the sun expressions, when Jesus chooses you, he's going to express himself through you as a pastor, a teacher, etc., for the rest of your life. That's not a once-off. With the spirit expressions, it can be a once-off. The Lord has used me, particularly when I travel overseas, with word of knowledge. Right? I've been praying for people. I'm in Bulgaria, India, through a translator. And I'm praying for somebody, and God, I'm a highly visual person. God has made me like, usually I have a vision. I start speaking, the person bursts into tears, they're bawling their eyes out. God changes their life. The next morning at breakfast, the young lady comes up to me, or the young guy, and says, you know, last night when you were talking about the horse in the paddock and how he jumped over the paddock, and we had to, I went, why? And I'm like, sorry, I don't remember any of that. Because I'm just the delivery vehicle, Right? But then there are seasons where maybe for months at a time, that doesn't happen. Because it has happened, I always come expecting 
that the Holy Spirit wants to use me like that again, wants to show himself through me in that way. So the spirit gifts happen when he wants to use, when, when he chooses. The son gifts tends to be a lifetime gift. Let's just go back to your pastor who is not a pastor. Somebody just asked me about this um, uh, during the break. Now, in the American church, we call our leaders pastor, right? Now, Pastor Tim is actually leader Tim and apostle Tim who has a pastoral measure. As little as I know of him, it's obvious. And if Cheryl was honest, she would agree with me. Right? Not honest. I mean, she's sitting there thinking, finally, somebody's saying this. Here's the difficulty. If Tim was a pastor, son expression, capital P, he'd lovey-dovey you every week. He doesn't lovey-dovey you. He lovey-doveys you, but he doesn't lovey-dovey you like a real pastor would. The reason your church is growing as rapidly as it is is because Tim has a huge leadership gift, and I believe Tim is an apostle. I believe that Tim will plant, he himself, many churches, not just in America, but across the world. It's obvious to me. His instinct, I also believe, but I'm certain, he's, he's an odd mix of the expressions of God because he's a very good Bible teacher, but he's also very evangelistic. Usually you don't find those two together, right? Because when we call somebody pastor who's not a pastor, I had this experience for most of my leadership life. The people using that word are expecting this leader who's pastoral but not a pastor to be a pastor. They are asking him to be something that Jesus has not chosen to use him as. Does this make sense? Strictly speaking, we should be referencing the people who feed us according to their Trinity gifts. Teacher Tim, Apostle Tim, Pastor Bob, Evangelist Susie. It's too crazy. We just use this generic term of pastor. I understand we're not going to change this in our lifetime, but I want to use that as an example. When a church is able to say in the leadership team and in all of the pews, I see that God has chosen to manifest himself in you, my brother. In terms of the father gifts, you have leadership and you have giving. In terms of the son gifts, you are a teacher. In terms of the spirit manifestations, it's word of knowledge. Now we have a picture of how God shows himself through you. I completely adjust my expectations, take all of the stress off. Titles don't mean anything. Positions don't mean anything. What counts is the expression of God in my life. Does that make sense? Now listen, by all means, please continue to call Pastor Tim Pastor. Somebody asked me in the break, laughing, huge guy. Man, you have so many tall, handsome men in this church. Anyway, he comes up, nearly crushed my hand. His name is Paul. <laughs> I'm like, you know, when you look, when you know, you would think when your knees are buckling that the guy would let go. But anyway, he's all excited, old man. <laughs> And he says, uh, so what should I call you, Pastor Lorenzo? You know. Anyway, I said, well, my name is Lorenzo. I don't call you Mechanic Mike or Carpenter Charlie. <laughs> thank you. I love you people. I've done it in the churches and people are like, what? So thank you. Anyway, we're nearly finished. 
Now, what I love about the father gifts is that these gifts are permanent because the father, when he's making you in your mother's womb, takes of his leadership, prophetic, serving, mercy, whatever, and gives you a measure of himself. He puts it in. You are born with these expressions. These are what I would call being gifts or being manifestations. And in that sense, it is a gift. God gifts himself to you. So have you ever wondered, friends, why in the world we have had leaders like whether it's Hitler or Stalin or, you know, some of our own presidents, you know, wretched people who whole countries have followed, right? Who literally have shaped the destiny of the world, who have massive leadership ability, but publicly deny God and deny Christ. Or let's say there are musicians, some secular musicians, who have incredible ability to gather people and get them to follow a cause. Do you know why? Because when God the Father, the leader, puts his leadership ability in somebody who he creates, who he loves with every fiber of his being, he does not remove that leadership ability because the person isn't serving them. The job of parents and church leaders, teachers, and friends is to, as early on as possible, identify in our children the mix of God in them and then facilitate the expression of God through their lives. This is why sometimes you see kids of five or six, listen to me, who are literally leading their families. And we're like, well, they're ADD, and the guys, the kid's so bossy, he's always telling dad what to do. A child who, has a na- who is born with a strong father leadership ability will end up leading whatever group they are in, male or female. Their instinct, their motivation, we call these motivational gifts because their essential motivation in life is to be who God has made them to be. My last example, I do a lot of missions work all over the world. It's a great honor. Uh, You can never tire of being somewhere in Africa or Asia, Eastern Europe, holding an HIV AIDS baby on Tuesday and burying them on Friday. You can just, it just, it kills you every time. I have met and had the honor of serving alongside people with such huge mercy gifts who are cursing, getting drunk at night, and want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. They are fully unsaved. Some of them have looked at me in Eastern Europe and said, I'm atheist and communist and proud of it. And they have dedicated their lives to a bunch of orphans who are so deformed that their own parents left them on garbage dumps and on street corners, and the government doesn't have the money to care for them. And so churches like ours fund these places. Those two leaders, that same woman who said that to my face, is now fully born again and spirit-filled and serves in a local church, and we have free access to the orphanage. But listen, with the gospel, how is it possible that this woman can give her life to these kids that are not her own? Because she has a huge mercy gift. Where did she get the mercy gift from? She didn't pick it up at school. Well, God put it into her. Whether she's a communist or a Christian, she will always have mercy for the most broken in our society.
Does that make sense? I know for a fact that because this is a Christian church filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, I know, it's obvious. You feel it when you walk into the building. We are the church. We are His body. I know that the Father, Son, and Spirit are manifesting themselves in this church. And friends, you need to be able to go home and to ask God, go and look at these passages of Scripture, get the notes if you need them, and ask God to help you to understand your uh, a Trinity expression matrix, if you wish, and then do it. Because that's how the kingdom of God advances. The kingdom of God doesn't advance because of nice technology. Thank you so much that you use Apple stuff and that you have actual screens and great graphics. It's important, but it doesn't get us into heaven. What advances the kingdom, what touches people's lives, is God working through us. When somebody gets saved, that is a supernatural activity. I've never saved anybody and neither of you. It is God in me who is able to draw people. Does that make sense? So I've got to, if what I've said to you is true, we then have to go and seek and find and understand and do these things. So let me finish with this last slide, just using my own life as an example. You'll be able to get this from your media team. Now, friends, what you're seeing now took me over 20 years to come to understand. I wish that when I was a young Christian, somebody had taught me this message. And so, in terms of the measure, each of these portions of Scripture clearly state, it says, that God determines the measure that He chooses to express Himself. So, um, my largest measure is exhortation. Like Barnabas, I have the gift of encouragement. That is my, when I realized as a pastor that my, my largest expression of God was not my teaching ability or my evangelistic or whatever, it was actually encouragement and that that comes from God, it just changed everything about everything we did at the church. Everything, literally. Every, leadership structure, everything. And then my next strongest uh, uh, expression of God is leadership, then prophecy, then teaching. Now, for whatever reason, Jesus chose to express himself, his prophetic and pastoral self through me. Usually these two don't go together. I always feel sorry for a church that is led by a prophet because they are changing direction every three weeks, right? Because prophets are like, we've got to go north. Wait, God has told me we've got to go west. He is right, but I feel a church should be led by somebody with the father leadership expression. It's possible for a church to have a leader who never preaches the word of God according to this. That leader then finds the teachers, the pastors, the evangelists, those with mercy gifts, those with administrative gifts, and frees them and puts them together in a team. And then the whole church is equipped, Ephesians 4, so that we all grow up together into maturity. Literally, you could have a, a church that's run by somebody with a very strong leadership ability, but who cannot speak publicly to save his life. If you have a church that's led by a teacher, I'll show you a church who knows the Bible backwards, but do almost nothing. Or a church that's led by an evangelist, lots of people saved, but they don't really know the Bible well. You know, Because each gift, remember, like the, in 1 Corinthians 12, 
The idea that we're a body and each piece does something different, it's the same with the sun gifts. The goal is to have all of them expressed in your church. And then lastly, with the Holy Spirit expressions, uh, in the green, that's how the Lord has used me as He chooses to. I have my own spiritual language. I pray in tongues. I speak in tongues every day. Paul the Apostle said it's good to do that. I agree with him. I have my own personal spiritual language. But in my lifetime, there have been four other languages that the holy different kinds of tongues that I've been aware instantly. I've been in a, in, in a situation, two of them, it was for spiritual warfare, two of them was just a kind of pastoral setting where God, the Holy Spirit, spoke through me. I was instantly aware that this language is not my own spiritual language. It is necessary for that time, and I've never had them again. So I know that the Holy Spirit sometimes uses me that way. So let me finish by telling you this. When I came here, when I was preparing this week, I don't go through my sermon folder and think, what would be the coolest, most encouraging message, right? I don't feel the need to be crazy, interesting, although I'm both, but I don't feel the need. Uh, no, I'm half kidding. I don't feel the need to do that. No, no, it's got, it's because that's about me then. What I do know is that this is how the Father, Son, and Spirit have made me to show them. So then I line up my preaching with what I know God has made me to be and how he uses me. It takes all the stress off. It opens the channels. And then I just have to be obedient to be who God wants me to be in such a way, friends, that he can show up through me the most. That is the goal of all ministry. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, uh, I... I would encourage you, thank you, I would encourage you, take your Bible, I know you're going to look at this in your small groups, but do it, do it at home yourself before you get there. You can get the slide from one of the media guys, it'll be a clean slide, go and circle which of these you think you are. Some of you will be sitting there this morning going, oh yes, that makes sense. Some of you will be like, I don't know if I, which of these I am. Okay, go to more experienced people in your church. Go to people who really know you. Show them the slide and say, which of these do you think I am? Because can I tell you, who you are is who you are. And you've been expressing, God has been showing up through your life in these ways, whether you're aware of it or not. And sometimes people around you who care for you, know you, who are watching, they'll be saying to you all your life, you know, you should be a pastor. You should be a pastor. You should, be a pa you should care for people. You should be a nurse. You should be, you know, you should be a teacher. Because every time you open your mouth, I learn something new. Yes, because Jesus, the teacher, is showing up through you, right? Because if you can identify these, and God has no secrets with us, friends. God does not tease us, please. He doesn't lock stuff away in the cupboard hoping we'll find it. We are so spiritually thick that God puts it on a table in front of us with big arrows pointing, saying, here it is. I'm not joking. I'm, I'm... So uh, the Lord's more than happy to show you You've just got to show.